Hello, you're listening to the 805 Uncensored Podcast, hosted by two leftists recorded on Occupied Chumash Land. This podcast covers a variety of topics, from music to politics, news, and spirituality, <clears throat> issues both in the 805 and the ones affecting the 805. There are no limits, which is why we are uncensored. So welcome and follow us on your podcast, social media platforms of choice. In this episode, we're excited to host another panel. This is our 10th edition doing this. We're going to be talking about um, something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, uh, the ongoing genocide in Gaza. So join with us. We've got Craig from, uh, Disto- what's your podcast called? Sorry, Voices from the Left. Oh, you're on mute, by the way. Yes, Voices from the Left. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, we've also got Chris. He's a regular from the Alt-Left podcast. Thanks for being here. We've got Matt, a newbie. Um, Matt, you want to just kind of talk about your background a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, y'all can find me at, at Unionize Amazon KY, all one uh, word. And I sort of got my introduction to the left by organizing uh, my fulfillment center in Kentucky. Um, but yeah, I hang out with everybody and that's how I met uh, 805. Yeah, thanks for being here. And we've also got Carla, another one of our regulars. Thanks so much for being here, Carla. So uh, my first question for you guys is a general tendency that I've noticed is that the libertarian right and liberals have frequently been deflecting the conversation away from genocide and instead towards religion. So, you know, you'll frequently hear like, oh, this this isn't a conflict about uh, territory or land. This is about religion. It's, you know, it's thousands of years. They've just been killing each other. And so it's a really like lengthy I'd like to have a really like lengthy, nuanced discussion about that and just like the general bad faith that that, that whole argument surrounds and how as, as leftists, we can kind of counteract that. So whoever wants to take that one first. Mm, I could go since I have some thoughts on it. Um, it it's, it's always that religion is always an easy out for somebody. They can always just make a scapegoat, point it at religion, and then completely get people to ignore the fact that religion just serves the interests of the rich. It's, it's a cultural phenomena of which the rich get you to believe these things to distract you from what the heck they're getting you to go and do. They're, they're getting you to go and uh, genocide people and conquer territory, have nine crusades just to take back the same land uh, over the course of time. Because essentially, they just want the resources of that land and to subjugate the people. Um, religion is always a distraction in these matters. Agreed. Anyone have any other thoughts to that? Go ahead, Chris. Um, I would I would agree that uh, I think Matt, you're right that religion is often a distraction in the initiation of things like that. But I think. Jordan's kind of speaking almost to a little more sinister motive here um, where any criticizing of Israel is a is completely deflected to being anti-Semitism, right? That if you say, hey, by the way, um, murdering children by airstrikes is kind of shitty. And then someone's like, why do you hate Jews? <laughs> it's like it, it, it's a it's, it's a moving of the goalposts. It's a straw man argument. And it's really effective. Um, I mean, do you remember up to 9-11? I mean, I remember constantly being like, you know, maybe invading 
Afghanistan and Iraq uh, for something that a, a Saudi guy did is probably not a good idea. And everyone's like, why do you hate America? Why do you love terrorists? And it's an easy deflection because that because the reason there's a reason people use straw man arguments is because they're effective and they're easy. And Israel has done a very good job of constantly playing. Like, you know, the meme with the kid with the boot on his head, that is Israel. Um, and they've done this thing where they've done any, any criticism of them, they can then immediately swing into anti-Semitism because they know from the European powers that place them there, it's a sensitive topic. They know by crying for that, that Germans, Americans, and the British are going to immediately jump onto their side or at least be more apt to it. Because if you can conflate Israel with Judaism, an attack on them is an attack on Judaism, which is ironic because Jews around the world condemn israel it's only american and british jews that are zionists you go to any other country and most rabbinical leaders are completely against this yeah and for for those that just tuned in uh welcome tony hey how you guys doing good so tony's one of my favorite communist shit posters he used to host this podcast called one big toilet but he's an overall great dude thank you uh, yeah, so my question, uh, Tony, was the libertarian right and liberals, I, I notice, frequently deflect the conversation away from genocide and instead uh, focus on religion. You know, making any, any criticism of Israel, as Chris said, is, is anti-Semitic. You know, it's, it's all straw manning. And so my question was, how do, we, how do you think that we can kind of counteract this bad faith argument um, as leftists? The interesting thing about this one, I think, is that the the argument is so stale and fucking hack at this point mm-hmm. that, like, you're already seeing the general consensus just seeing right through it, right? It was like, I think this really started, like, uh, like for another example, a couple years ago when that Iranian tanker got attacked and, and it was like, everybody was like, oh, this is going to be another, like, Gulf of the Tonkin kind of shit. Like, and it immediately just went over like a wet fart. So I think that like really we are like the counterpoint to that is like aside from the anti-Semitism, is um, like we've had like two decades of just of just rampant Arab hysteria, anti-Arab hysteria, right? They, they like that. The other thing we don't talk about is that to your average dumbass American, uh, like there's just like this like Muslim horde that like they're all just like descendants of Hannibal just ready to like ascend upon everybody like that's not like a nuanced culture of like you know however fucking many different sects and 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 schools of thought on it you know it's it's but to the average American the average Brit it is they had so much of this anti-anti which is also really interesting to see that like that's also not going over real well you know I think that we like the the nice thing about what's going on right now feels like we're kind of like at like a, a nadir of identity politics. I mean, it's like a big thing where we are seeing collectively that, despite what we've been told, Jews do not or Israeli Zionists do not represent all of Judaism. Like like Chris said, as I just jumped in, and and uh, like people are just more nuanced than that now, and I think that that's a real beneficial thing for this this narrative that, that they're trying to sell, and it's just not being bought. Can we also talk about how how did the right go from Jews will not replace us to we stand with Israel? It's it's just because like they like like the scarf by the way. Um, they 
like they just love the the concept of ethno nationalism. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's like that's like the same reason why like every dweeb like worships Japan, right? It's like the same kind of thing. They just kind of like the idea of of an ethno state, and I, they always use like, like Israel as a catalyst. I think they just also just jerk off to the hypernationalism. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, Zionism and nationalism go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Any other thoughts on this question, or can I ask the second one? I, I believed that the right in, in the Western world has, in particular, they've realized that Zionism and white supremacy go hand in hand, that, that their agenda is met by Zionism because they essentially try to make... Um, and, and their mindset, it was sort of like they're trying to make the Jews somebody else's problem um, from from their origins and how anti-Semitic they were just a short period of time ago to how pro-Israel they are now. Carla, what do you think? I'm interested on your take on this. I think all points have been great and valid. Um I would just kind of like simplify it too as saying that uh, religion is racialized. So more than anything, um, I think, and it's a point that Tony was touching on how um, there's like this vilification of um, Arab people mm-hmm. and white people because it's, it's, it's the big brown bad person, right? Yeah. Um, to me, it's just so funny how, um, I mean, because as someone, right, from a Mexican background, um, it's just so funny how, yeah, like they reduce it down to religion, but the way that I look at it, especially from like, you know, coming from like a colonized people, it's like, well, yeah, you know, at the same time, like, yeah, religion is kind of, that shit is like from the colonizers. Um, but it's like, I don't know, like I, I, I see that they're just using it as, as a scapegoat as well. Um, because we can't we can touch upon that shit, right? How like um, religion, the colonization go hand in hand. But yeah, it's because it's the easy way out because people would rather blame something easy than like look inward and be like, oh, you know what? No, this is fucking systemic. And this is like a genocide is like the foundation of all these fucking like Western fucking and imperialist um, countries, right? Like everybody wants someone else to be the bad guy. Like they don't want to be the bad guy or they don't want to think that they're the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Well, there's also um, like, I think Carlos completely correct. Like religion is always easy to do that. And it's especially with, with Brown people. Like that really is like the reason why the United States gives a shit about Ukrainians and doesn't give a shit about Gazans is literally a melanin issue. It is 100% what it is, and it is hand-in-hand with Islamophobia. There's a reason why we care about immigrants coming from South, but not from North, and not from the Europe, not from Europe. And we care about blonde. Remember, do you remember that famous douche report where they're like, they're just like us. They're blonde hair and blue eye. Like, oh, just that instant yeah, Aryan, yeah. Aryanification yep. of that. And I mean, and that's that's Ukrainian propaganda. It's put forth. And Israel propaganda is that is 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 they, there's a little more sinister, right? So when you talk to people and you say, hey, this has been going on for decades, guys. Like this started in the forties, you know, and people go, Oh, well, if you're going to go back that far, you may as well go back 3000 years. And they always do that argument because there's nothing in between. 
It's not like we're going to go yeah. back 3,000 years and see this rich history of Judaism. And No, no, it's not. 3,000 years ago, Jews were kicked out of their homeland and became a nomadic people. And that vacuum was filled. <laughs> like, humans moved to empty places. Yes, was it was it wrong that Jews 3,000 years ago kicked off the lands? Of course, but so was serfdom. But there yeah. is a, you cannot go back millennia, right? And there's, and I, I know it's a fine line. It's like, well, then, you know, and people will say like, oh, well, if you agree with the Palestinians' right to return, then you should be agreeing with Native Americans. Like, yes, 100%. Give back the fucking land. This was Mexico. Give it back. Like, I'm on board because there are still family lines here. 3,000 years, you can't do that. But you can when it's decades. There are still people in occupied Palestine who have keys to houses that are filled with Israeli illegal settlers. And that's the difference. And they have to make that 3,000-year argument because they can't say, well, let's go back 200 years. Okay, let's go back 200 years. What was it? Oh, Arabs, Jews, and Christians living in peace in the Holy Land before the British invaded? Yeah, it's pretty rad. We should go back yeah. to that. Get the fuck out. It was before colonization, and that's the thing, is they will always try to bring that argument that far back, because it's a colonist argument. Yeah, you know, this all really just directly ties into my second question, which is, you know, uh, Heather asked this point. What extent is Christianity fomenting the U.S. support of the war in Gaza? That's 10% of it. Yeah, right. Like it's I mean that's really what it like most said most people really think that they, they believe that the Israelite mandate of the land that is Palestine is centered from God, right? And I think that's a counterpoint or not a counterpoint, but leads into also like like I came on here because like my big thing is like, I I'm just really kind of blown away at like how much the tables have turned where you're already seeing like 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 the, the support's just not there like they that they had 15 20 years ago right like this like gaza would be a parking lot if this was in 2004 like this is like it's transcended that we're at this point and i think a big reason why though is um probably my internet connection is terrible uh, but uh, a big thing about like why this isn't going over is that for the first time in like America's history, more than half of us aren't Christian. And like, that's kind of a, a real, I think a real big turning point on like why this is, is kind of going over like a wet fart, like why like the, the public out, like they just don't have the public support. It's like literally we have like, like even, yeah, just, I don't know. That's just a blow my mind. I think that's really what it like, comes down to is that like, we're just not, a majority Christian anymore. Like so like that religious argument isn't working on most people. That's a great point. Um well Craig, sorry, Craig has his hand up. Oh yeah, so I mean there's a definite link between Christianity and the United States using the Bible as justification for slavery and other, you know, horrific acts, right? including discrimination of non-whites and non-Christians, like it, it's been happening for, for centuries, right? Uh, and that, that bigotry against people in the U.S. spills out into other areas around the globe, especially if the inhabitants are not white and or not Christian, which you guys were talking about earlier, right? Uh, but, you know, in addition to that, I, I think there's funda fundamentalist Christians in the United States that think the 
you know, the second coming of, of Christ is predicated by the return of the Jews to the Holy Land. And so they, they see that as, you know, it's what they want, right? It's, it's how to get to, to what they want. And they're trying to fulfill that, that prophecy and, uh, you know, they, they do what they can, um, and to further that, if that means that they have to go all in on backing, you know, genocide of brown people, then that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, Bibby recently said that the people will fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah in the fight against Hamas. Christianity's a death cult. Yeah, particularly the American strain. Mm. <laughs> Christo fascists. <clears throat> So in, in 2009, it was, it was reported by several media outlets and the Israeli government eventually confirmed that in the 1990s, Israeli doctors had used the bodies of dead Palestinians and others to perform experimentation, in air quotes. Specifically, the former head of the Abu Kabir Forensic Institute admitted that pathologists had, quote, harvested organs without consent, end quote but that the practice had ended in the 90s. He went on to say that we, uh, we, he went on to say, quote, we started to harvest corneas. Whatever was done was highly informal. No, per no, no permission was asked from the family, end quote. So now this is like circulating around as evidence that the Israeli government has gone from the oppressed to the oppressor. So like, what the fuck are we supposed to say to this? Yeah. I just want to put a correction there. The Israeli government has always been the oppressor. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's that, that that's a really odd talking point. It's it's sort of like trying to bring up that during World War II there were like experiments on Jewish people during the Holocaust or Japanese experiments on the Chinese while they were there. It it, it creates the narrative that the the oppressor here it, at least it can support our narrative in the fact that you know, these Zionists, they see Palestinians as less than human. They're running all these tests on them. They're stealing their organs and, you know, selling it on the black market uh, mm -hmm. equivalent of what they have there to give to their rich people who um, want that sick thing, right? Yeah, go ahead, Carla. You know, actually... Um... Thinking about that, um, how well, I, first of all, I don't doubt that that uh, would actually happen, right? But thinking about that part of the quote, right, um, that you mentioned, that it's like, it took some people reading that, or that Israel could be, Israel could be capable of something like that. Mm -hmm to make some people think, oh, okay, damn, I think that they're actually the bad guys. Where it's it's like, it's just so fucking weird to me, especially like as, as a person of color, right? Like how it's not just enough for some people to be like, oh, hey, that country or those people are going somewhere and stealing other people's land and saying, no, I belong here, you can get the fuck out. Like that's not enough for some people. Yeah. Like that's like that's be, because if because if that were enough for some people, then it would go back to the point that was mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Then what the fuck about the United States then? <laughs> then more people would be like, oh wait, holy shit, that happened here. 
So it's just like, it's so interesting to me. Like, I, I don't know how quite to say it, but it's like, like people can't just see like Israel, right? Going into Palestine and taking the fucking land and like just yep. saying, no, this is ours now. Everyone get, get the fuck out. Like that, that should be like, oh yeah, no, they're, they, they are the oppressors. Like it takes people reading about, or like even right now, like watching, um, right? Like the photos and the videos of like dead people and like dead kids and stuff like that. Like, like, like why did, why do some people have to see or read about that shit to finally be like, oh no, yeah, actually they're the bad guy. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just like me, like as a person of color, like I, that it's just like, it boggles my fucking mind. It's absolute insanity. Uh, Tony, go ahead. Let's say, too, is that, like, in addition to... It's, it's just so wild to think, too, like, we're, we're talking about Israel's, like, like this mangle-ass shit they're doing to Palestinians at the same time that they're... that they were also, like, sterilizing Ethiopian Jews. Like, it's, like, one of those... Going back to the, the ethnostate thing, it's, it's like, like, this is... Not only do like do they like it's like culturally like they, they are very much establishing that the only kind of is like it's like it's Ethiopian Zionism kind of thing and that really is just it goes back to like that I don't know man I just wanted to mention the the, the Ethiopians thing it's just like it's this whole country is just I don't know like it's I think it goes like what Carl was talking about is that like you are just so gaslit into believing that this is the the good country right the propaganda is just so deep and that's why people aren't even allowed to like you know like like this is all like haram knowledge that, like we're talking about like, that, like nobody mentions this on like any kind of mainstream source it's just like that's why people are so ignorant to it is that because like this is all happening but you're told otherwise and i think that's like just now with the with the the ubiquity of the internet it's harder to hide that and that's why people are like at least more conscious of it than ever before. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, yeah, I I think Tony's completely right. Um, and like I kind of want to address what Carlo was saying was like how how do people just without needing to see gore, without needing to have this shoved up your butt, right? How is it that you can't just look at the black and white of like? Hey, that's an illegal occupation. That's bad. Like, how come people don't get that thing? Is people around the world get it? It is unique to our culture, right? Like, I talk to people all the time uh, about like uh, when 2008, when Israel broke the ceasefire and then invaded Gaza. Right? They killed 1,400 Palestinians. 1,200 of them were civilians. 350 were children. 13 Israelis died, and four of them were from friendly fire. That's a kill ratio of 108 to 1. That is not a war. That is a massacre. That is an ethnic cleansing is what that is. And we're not told that in the U.S. Turn on CNN. See what the fuck you see. And that's, that's as, you know, you, you turn on anywhere else. MSNBC and they're going to be like, well, it's really sad. There's lots of life. Bad people on both sides. And that's, you know, when anybody talks about, like, elections and stuff, and I'm like, how is this any different? Than like Donald Trump's, there's good people on both sides. My proud boys are okay. It's like you look at Biden. Biden came out and said he saw fucking pictures of 400 beheaded babies. 
and the State Department had to walk it back. I'm like, well, okay, no, he, he he didn't actually see them because then, of course, Israel had come out and said, never mind, we don't have any evidence of that whatsoever. But they ran with it, and the President of the United States fucking took to a podium and stood up there and just spouted a lie that was spoon-fed to him by Israel. Like, he didn't even need to lie. He could have been like, I see reports before. Like, he literally had to, like, embellish it to sell it because you're right so many americans aren't into it because we're now getting news from around the world we didn't used to americans have never been exposed to this shit until now i have been very alone my whole life rallying for gaza like talking about palestine and freeing palestine and everyone has always been like what the fuck is wrong with this guy and now all of a sudden everyone agrees with me who's like getting this news because we have amazing sources like tiktok and instagram we now have ways to get information that does not come from our mainstream media and i think that's the difference shout out to al jazeera white americans are so sheltered um who was after chris uh, Corlatus. Is that, sorry, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Uh, I don't even know the correct pronunciation because it's from a book. Um, right on. So I could be pronouncing it wrong for all I know. So, um, God, there's so many, so many things that are like making me think of other things. But, um, like the thing about Israel is, They've got, a, they're essentially a armed colony with a slick marketing campaign. They're, they're a brand with an army, um, you know, because it serves the capitalist uh, hegemony for, for them to exist, essentially. And, of course, the capitalist media, whoops, that was my bowl, um, that we see in the US. Um, and, you know, the fit, I saw a great poster uh, at the, um, at the protest today. And I think it was from um, one of the, uh, the Jewish Voice for Peace people. Um, and it said, um, the the west uses jewish people like a glove over its hand to do its dirty work uh using the uh dispossessed of europe against the dispossessed of the uh of the middle east it was worded better than that but you know that was it was just like so perfect but then you know, in terms of like yeah that's really what it is it, they they took um all these people who were treated like shit in europe and then they were like hey these can be cannon fodder to establish a neo colony in a very strategic area um and then the other thing about like the experimentation is that of course you know israel says they stopped doing that shit in the 90s but you know have trustworthy are are they uh, but then there's also the fact that at a more macro level uh israel and through them the u.s military and the military the u.s military industrial con um complex and 
that of the West in general, not but just the West, but also the British and French and German, uh, all those who supply weapons to Israel, essentially use the continual um, bombardment of the Palestinian people of the, you know, they use the violence against the Palestinian people essentially as a laboratory to test all their new fancy weapons. Like they're using Palestinians essentially as lab rats for all of the most horrific weapons. And then like they use the results of that violence as essentially a sales pitch to the rest of the world. Like here's, here's what uh, our weapons can do. Just uh, look at these body counts. Uh, just look at the power of these munitions that we used on an entirely captive population. It's like so many things and like this entire episode and all the uh, propaganda around it. It's the word that comes to my mind most is grotesque. Yeah, you know, I actually had a quick comment just about the whole media narrative of this genocide. Uh, have you noticed that all the Western media reporters are based in Tel Aviv? Like, there's not a single fucking one on the ground in Gaza. Oh, yeah. They, they don't have any people actually on the ground in Gaza, like... The the sorry to just immediately respond out of turn, but it, yeah, they they're all based in like Tel Aviv or at most fucking like Jerusalem. Are we allowed to swear? This is eight oh five uncensored. Fuck no, I, clean, dude. Oh no, yeah, no. stupid question. I'm really <laughs> tough, but yeah, and I just they, they don't even have anybody. Now. They need, they don't even have like like it's it's unusually good if they have someone who talks to anyone in like east jerusalem like yeah and like then every once in a while they'll have someone in like ramallah or something in the west bank but you're right it's also, it's, it's almost always tel aviv hmm. well and then and then you know sorry I'll if you are Tony's comment i i just had to just butt in with this one is that is that any journalist, like, in that part of the, in, like, Gaza, is fucking sniper meat. You know, they're killing them. And then, and then, and then you have Al Jazeera journalists who are, like, finding out their, their fucking families are massacred live on air. Like, this is yeah. not even, like, like, it's, I don't, I think that's, like, what really blows my mind is that, is that when the Zionists said never again, they just meant, like, the extermination of European Jews and not like the fascism part. Mm -hmm. They seem to really love that one, like a yep. lot. No doubt about it. Go ahead, Matt. Um, but I, I wanted to just say how how much this is unique to our culture. Again, that um, people have to sort of have their stomach churn. These white Americans have to have their stomach churn by gory images before they actually get what the what the heck is actually going on that is um unethical and immoral and grotesque over there um these journalists over here have known for centuries at least anti-war journalists have known 
that they have to go out and, and snag these gruesome, gruesome images and, um, and then they have to go through all this effort just to convince people here that there's bad things happening. Um, they've been doing this from, you know, anti-war journalists at least have been trying to do this for more than a century to actually make some kind of appeal um, that, hey, the other side, they, they need uh, help. Gaza needs help. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sickening. Uh, I think it was uh, Chris then Corlatus. Yeah, I think I think we need to also rec- like see something that we don't nobody talks about is that this is not a phenomena, right? This isn't some weird uniquely American or Western thing. We're like, oh, we just don't know, and we mm-hmm. just don't know on it. It's like, no, this is this is very directly propaganda, and it's done intentionally, right? So Israel, I believe, right now it's what forty four billion a year, something like that. They're receiving foreign aid from the United States. It's it's whatever. It's an ungodly amount of money. We send them this money. This money funds their military and their occupation state and their apartheid state. Oh, and, and, the, good, and their health care. And their health care. Yeah, because Israel Well, well we don't get that. But then <laughs> a portion right. of that money comes back to the United States, you got to remember, because bribery is legal. That money comes back and it funds the campaigns of almost every single representative and senator in Congress. Like with the exception of the fucking squad. All of them have their bills paid by Israel, which is, by the way, remember, your tax dollars. So our money goes to Israel. It then comes back in campaign contributions to the very people who vote whether or not Israel gets more money next year. It is a cycle. It is an Aurora Boris. It is a snake eating its own tail. And so if you have a Senate that is bought and paid for by a foreign entity that is voting on whether or not to give money to that foreign entity, we're also paying for their control of the media. This is the, there is there is an absolute correlation between our lawmakers being paid to not do this and our media organizations not reporting it. Now, do I think everyone at CNN is getting a check from you know from Israel? Of course not. However, anyone can tell you who's worked in news. You get your scoops from DC. All of your tips are come from insiders. And if you don't tote the company line, do you really think fucking Rashida Tlaib is getting a whole lot of good airtime and good press in news right now? No, they don't want to fucking interview her. They don't want to hear what the fuck she has to say. And if they are, it's only going to be a hit piece. And if you don't play ball with the narrative, yes, exactly, of privatized US TV, if you don't play ball with the news as narrative, you will not be given screen time, nor will be interviewed, and nor will your story be talked about. And it is not in anyone's interest in the media to talk well of Palestine. Watch Al Jazeera and you will see a completely different story. Yeah, the the Western media doesn't even like try to hide the fact that they only show the Israeli side. It yeah, I only watch Al Jazeera because not only do you get a fair perspective, you actually get to see um the side of the Palestinians. It, it it's it's night and day. Um go ahead Corlatus, sorry. Yeah, um <laughs> Like I remember early in the um, early in the bombardment, this was like probably like almost three weeks ago now. 
I remember someone, they, they blew up the Al Jazeera office and then someone on one of the various communist uh, Discord servers and shit that I'm on because I'm a huge fucking nerd um, said, you know, I real, really feel sorry for the Al Jazeera guys because Israel blows up their office literally every time they bomb Gaza. Which is often interesting like how they, that works. Like they literally always hit it every time. Like going back to like all the previous bombardments of Gaza. Oh, they blew up the Al Jazeera office. Like supposedly there was a Hamas base there, <laughs> which is just like, of they're course everything is everything is Hamas according to them. But absolutely, they're literally killing ambulance workers. Right, and it's just like every single time they make. It's so clearly on purpose that, like, every time they blow up the Al Jazeera office. I mean, the th the point um, earlier about how we have privatized state TV is just, like, you know, we always get the warnings of, like, on social media, like, oh, this is uh, Venezuelan state-sponsored media or Qatari state-sponsored media or Chinese state-sponsored media or whatever. Like, like the thing, though, is it doesn't... There's not that... I watched it, and I was like, this... I don't see how this is any different from, like, Saving, saving Private Ryan. Like, so, ironically... <laughs> right. no, it seems the same to me. Listen, wait, listen to this real quick. So, ironically, as soon as I started talking about this, my recording feed stopped. It, it's like... <laughs> you can't record this anymore. But, no, we're, we're back now. The, the CIA uh, hung up on, on me, I guess. I was, yeah, I, I was going to say is... Um... Is the problem is you can watch, um, you know, like you can watch like Chinese state propaganda, and the problem is, you know what? It's right, like compared to ours. Like I was about it even when you watch, because um, like you can see it in our movies, right? Because we have some of our some films are now funded by like Chinese, yeah, like Chinese companies, right? Like especially Tencent, right? Like the Meg movies or uh, the Kong movies, right? And I thought about this when I, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but the, for the initiated here. Um, there's a great scene in the movie Kong Skull Island where, this, where one of the soldiers carries around, they're U.S. soldiers, but one carries around an AK-47. And he's like, I pulled this off of a village, villager in whatever thing we, we, like whatever village we're in, we massacred them. And I thought to this, and I hold on to it because it makes me realize that like they didn't need this until we came along. Yeah. And yeah. it's like you watch it as an American and you're like, huh, that's really thoughtful, right? But then you got to think about it from like if you were if I was watching this like in a Chinese market, this is kind of more like look what the look what the Western imperialist is coming for. This is why we need this is why we fight. This is like why we made like the, the Kalashnikov rifle is a defensive weapon. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. that's the, 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 the most important thing of it. Like it's designed to be kept in a barn for 40 years until the imperialists come to try to invade you. As we're supposed to us, where we're making fucking offensive weapons. So, like, that's what I said. So, yeah, the Chinese can have their propaganda all they want because I would rather them propagandize a youngster than fucking our bullshit at this point in time. You know, when when they're the hegemon, then we can debate the merits of it. But right now, anything like I'm, I'm, 
I'm of that President G. I am seven year old boy living in America. I understand that this is the best. This is the best course of action against Western imperialism at the moment. So please help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> fuck, I couldn't agree more. Go ahead, Corlatus. Well, living in the Bay Area, as I do, a lot of uh, Chinese people actually come to study at, uh, like, Cal and stuff. Um, and it's funny, because a lot of times the reaction is just like, oh, holy shit, it actually is this bad. I thought, <laughs> I thought like, our, our government was exaggerating a little. Wow, how do you live like this? <laughs> um, like one, um, you know, on remarking on the various uh, encampments of the unhoused, we're just like the the Democratic Party is in charge in this area, correct? Why why are there not people marching on their party offices demanding that these people be sheltered? <laughs> You know, the implication being that is what hap would happen, you know, where where they were from. Um, yeah, the, the this is in the Bay Area, uh, in the East Bay. Um, they're like, it, why are why is no one? Why are there no massive protests demanding these people be get housing? What I don't understand. Because um, yeah, they're just like, wow, this is just exactly the same as the propaganda or you know they wouldn't say propaganda but they'd be like oh this is exactly how we were warned it would be we thought it can't possibly be that bad yeah and i'll just say this point again the state is never your friend every country does propaganda and we're the best at it though i will i just have one final question for the panel <clears throat> How much longer do you guys think that the U.S. and other Western countries will continue to strongly support Israel? Sorry, Craig, did you have a thought real quick? Oh, okay. Yeah, so what do you guys think about that? Whoever wants to take that one. Oh, go ahead, Tony. I think that this really might be it. I think that, like, it's it's theoretically we have like the end of the decade is like, if that's where you can kind of like the last vestiges. But I think that this is a, just like, I think like we are, we are just kind of in like the, the death throes of a dying empire, like some, like, and we're just not willing to admit it. Right. It's like, we we're looking at how like fucking pathetic and broken the like Britain is. England is right, like because like that is that is that is the the hegemon that is like faded. It's like just it's like holding on to its poke eye jersey, like just relishing into its glory years. And we realize that the American project, and largely because like the Zionist Israel at this point is based just a CIA outpost, right? Like this is just this is all kinds of parts of capital trying to keep itself in the Zionist as we move beyond it. I think is that as young people are are are, are large turning socialists and communists, like we are, they know this is it. So I think that like like as this fails, because it looks like it will. I mean, 
it's it's crass to say that it will fail because there are so many units of law lost in this failure that that it's it's just it's it's a tragedy on all fronts, but I think that like it is so tragic that it's it it has ended the rationalization we can have for these like the way things are going. So I think this is really it. Craig? Yeah, I mean I I think you know how long it's gonna take. Uh, you know, I don't know, but I, I think it's gonna be to the bitter end of our late stage capitalist hellscape. That's just what it's going to be. That might seem obvious, right? But like, I, they're not the people who are in charge, the powerful, the, the rich, they are not going out without a fight there. It is going to need to be forcibly taken from them. <laughs> the they liberals will, will ask nicely for the capitalists. To yeah, no, they're going to, yeah, no, they're not going to, they're going to cling to that. You know, it's, it's going to need to be, a violent revolution to to overthrow it unfortunately because they're not going to give it up nope. they're just not it's absolutely consistent with history go ahead matt yeah it's it sort of as they're falling in and losing all of their power you know in this country labor has already consolidated you know, quite quite a bit of power in, in the labor movement growing. Um, how long before that reflects into real systemic change is to be determined. But um, but we got to see what kind of concessions they're going to make. Um, last time there was close to a revolution in this country, uh, you got the New Deal. Um and stuff like that. And so people decided that they would just settle for that, which they did. People settled for relative comfort. Um, with climate change going on, though, there's not really the possibility of that uh, relative comfort uh, ever being a possibility again. Um, the way that it has just accelerated year after year after year. So... And Israel tries to parrot themselves as, like, environmentalist. H have y'all seen that marketing? No. Well, like, yeah, all I, of, all I, of, I have it. it... <laughs> all of the big tech firms have their bases of operations and stuff that they're trying to move from Silicon Valley to Israel. They're trying to say that uh, Tel Aviv is going to be the new Silicon Valley for all of these uh, supposedly progressive firms like Amazon, who notoriously has all of these huge contracts with the IDF. Um, um, so it's, it's going to be a real slog fest, as Craig said. Yep. I tend to agree. I think they're going to be in lockstep until the very end of capitalism. Uh, Corlatus. I'm, I guess, a bit more cautiously optimistic. Because, you see, um, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be like, oh, de-dollarization is going to solve every problem. But it will make it a lot harder for the U.S. to afford a lot of the shit right now. 
that it has right now. Um, like the dollar kind of rests the it's its ability to be a strong currency kind of rests on it being the international trade and reserve currency. When that stops being the case, which has already started, um, it's going to lose value and fast. And since America doesn't really make shit anymore except weapons, everything else is going to get way more expensive. And like the infinite money printer that the military has is not going to work as well anymore. And mostly because that money is going to be worth a lot less um, for all the raw materials that they need to make all those weapons for the military industrial complex, com complex and importing everything from overseas is going to be more expensive. And we know that the U.S. doesn't have much industrial infrastructure left. And I think at some point, uh, maintaining Israel might be actually become too expensive for um, the U.S. as de-dollarization accelerates. Um, it might actually have to cut back on, on shit because, <laughs> like, people will be rioting at that point. There will, there will be, like, bread riots and shit. <laughs> like, it's going to get real fucking ugly once... Uh, yeah, they'll be cutting everything else first. Yeah, they, 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 they do they, that. Right. They they like might the, like three other secret police organizations. Right. Up. But even so, like even those guys need to buy shit. Um, so they might have to cut shit loose. Go ahead, Carla. Um, honestly, I tend to be a little bit more like negative Nancy, right? Like a little more pessimistic. Um, I see stuff like these like recent things that have kind of been passing about like um, conflating ACAB with terrorism, right? Conflating um, being like Antifa with terrorism and how that shit's already happening. And I think that it's gonna get really gnarly. Like, you know, folks folks are kind of like optimistic and saying like, oh, more of like the youth are, are becoming more radicalized. Um, people are a bit like, you know, like waking up to class consciousness and stuff like that. But the government's already making it fucking hard. Like literally conflate, like you can't even say ACAB because that's like, oh no, that, that's, you're a terrorist, you're a hate group. Antifa's a hate group. They're making this shit purposely hard. Um, and I think that it's, it's honestly, if I'm being quite honest, I think climate change is going to get us first before fucking capitalism falls. I really do. I think the next 10 years are going to be gritty and they're going to be fucking hard. And I think that right now our priorities should be, um, just making community, reaching out to people. Uh, so when shit hits the fan, we have people that we know that we that can support us and we support them. I think I think that's what we should be fucking doing right now. Go off queen. Absolutely. Building up that mutual aid infrastructure is something we should not neglect. 
in any type of organizing, you need to also be building up that mutual aid uh, infrastructure. Um, Cause you know, you, you can't really do much anymore without being afraid of Rico charges. Like they levied against everybody involved in stop cop city and, and their, their uh, uh, network, uh, their, 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 their bail fund that was getting quite a, quite a bit of funding, relatively speaking. Um, yeah, and this this is something that I touched on in a previous podcast, but just the general crackdown of the state around the world towards climate protesters is extremely scary. Yeah, I mean, look how persecuted like Guardian Rebellion has been. Like they've had to go completely underground for a lot of their stuff. Um, um and then you got. You know, I, I just see there's going to be like some kind of ambitious uh, um, attorney general from like Kentucky or Alabama or something like that is going to start ch- filing RICO charges against a union that's like trying to start up or go on strike or something like that. Um, so just for doing like, you know, union activities, it's kind of milk toast um, for like getting out there in activism. Um, so because it's, it's not necessarily based <laughs> just a thought experiment if you're going to be called a terrorist for just marching posting online or really just doing anything considered radical like what if you're going to be called a terrorist anyways like what the fuck is to stop you mm-hmm. yeah if you, if you have nothing to lose that is uh, really a prime motivator um, I find that in organizing your workplace, stuff like that, people do this because they're uncomfortable, because they are, are no longer comfortable living, and they know that the only solution is just to organize and just to make these demands and be really militant. Um, so if if organizing comes to being criminalized, in all aspects, then you have nothing to lose, so you might as well just do it. Yeah. Corlatus. You there? I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, anybody have any final thoughts before we do plugs? You know, I think to follow up on what Carla was saying, I think it would be very foolish for us to to think that, like, the people with the amount of power and money that control our government right now um, are, are stupid, right? Like, they know what's going on, and they know that if they have to throw as much money as they want to to stop it from crumbling, right? Um they, they will. I mean, and that's why to Matt's point, um, you got to get more about like community and organizing and um, have to start running for local, like everyone on the left needs to start running for local offices because when the country does crumble, what, what the fuck are we going to do? We just going to crumble with it? I mean, <laughs> No one's having a conversation about what we do then, right? And we need to have people that are like in place that are still stand like still standing somewhere, even if it's just at you know your your workplace that you're organizing or, or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, Matt, I really just want to give you a shout out for what you're doing in terms of organizing. Uh, for our listeners that don't know, can you just kind of talk about the work that you've done with Amazon real quick? Yeah, so um, um, at Amazon, you know, I, I work in a little rural town that's sort of like an Amazon company town. I, I don't work there anymore. I, I, I was fired for my organizing, but... Um, you know, since like mid 2021 to um, fall of 2022, we had an organizing campaign that we were uh, doing. So we were the first Amazon labor union campaign outside of Staten Island um, to, to try and organize our Amazon workplace. And, you know, uh, fighting, fighting back against the company was... It was an exhilarating experience. I, I got to say that. Um, but and just you know, again, again, he's twenty three years old, taking on taking on fucking the giant corporation known as Amazon. So. I was twenty one at the time. <laughs> Cheers to you. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I noticed like um, every Starbucks worker I meet though is like in my age bracket who's like organizing their workplaces too um there's very much a young and old divide in labor uh because you know if if you've got your shit together in life as many people have they sort of look at their job as a career um then they're probably not going to want to organize they, they don't want to shake things up at that place um, which, which was very much the case among the, the Amazon veterans um, where I lived. There was such a big disparity between young and old. Um, it was just, you know, the environment for organizing made me notice that one of the biggest barriers to people organizing is the fact that they're taking on a risk. They don't have any sort of safety net um, there to catch them. And that's sort of the opportunity that unions missed back in the day. And they didn't create these safety nets for workers. Um, they didn't create any type of self-sufficiency. Um, like we see unions, back in the day, a lot of them would just go and become a cooperative. Uh, they would turn their union into a workers' cooperative and then still invest a lot of their time and energy expanding that operations because they had a revolutionary motive they, they'd they'd become self-sufficient they wouldn't have to wait until a contract to get something they could just make it them fucking selves and then they would go and um use all of that to fund their organizing and everybody was being taken care of at least um something for people but again as i talk to people a lot it's a contract in union organizing, it is a pipe dream. It is something that you're going to have to wait a very long time to get. And in the immediate term, there there is no material improvement to your conditions. So you need to, you need to offer workers something more. But yeah, that's... And, and, and the majority of... Um, union organizing uh, losses that I see it, it, it is because they haven't you know tried to build that community and that mutual aid infrastructure in the workplace 
Hell yeah. Well, thank you for touching up on all that. Really appreciate the work that you do. Um, any other final thoughts before we go ahead and do plugs? Yeah, I really just wanted to to really express the thing that I was thinking of when I was talking about how Britain was a was a dying empire. Is that really everything we're like every kind of geopolitical kerfuffle going on like in anywhere outside of Europe mm-hmm. is really because a British person somewhere was too damn lazy to like actually draw a decent fucking map. Yeah, and a lot of their involvements are why we're in the shithole we're in the first place. So anytime anybody with that godforsaken accent comes up to me ever again and wants to give me their fucking opinion on world <laughs> events, I'm going to say, excuse me, no. You people, and I'm going to say, you people had your chance for a thousand years and you fucked it up for everybody. How dare you? How dare you think you can interject ever again? The best anti-UK tweet that I've ever seen is yeah. Britain colonized the entire world for spices, for spices, and doesn't use fucking any of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, I saw that Dare they? British food is the worst. How dare they? And then you watch a TikTok where it's like a British person has Popeyes for the first time, and they they start like Christ, master race. You're like, dude, this isn't even spicy. It's regular. You just like fucking. It's like chili verde. You like introduce them to a jalapeno, and it's like the first time they read Plato. Who would win, the your average taco truck or? The the digestive system of <laughs> an English person. <laughs> if you gave King Charles a chorizo taco, he'd explode. Green chorizo, fucking oh, absolutely. He 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 would die. <laughs> you you would be convicted of regicide. Regicide by taco. <laughs> Die in a way that Clive Barker would have wrote in Hellways. We've been doing this all wrong. We can kill imperialism with tacos. Yeah. There's only one British person. There's only one British person that can handle spice, and that's like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yeah. If Jamie Oliver like has also been. the only person in the UK that might be able to cook. You've seen Jamie Oliver, like he his his stuff is disgusting. Yeah, because he seizes it with his fucking tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's do let's do plugs. Craig, shout out your podcast. Where can people find sure. it? Uh it's called Voices from the Left. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, of course, you can uh, find me on Instagram uh, at dystopian underscore grift. You can find links to, to everything there. Nice. Who's your favorite dystopian writer? Um, I really like Aldous Huxley. Fuck yeah. Brave Door- New World is fantastic. I read uh, Doors of Perception because I'm a big acid guy. <laughs> yeah, I've read that. I read Heaven and Hell by by Huxley also. Both all three of those are they're good. Really Hell, good. Yeah, you know, he would actually be at my dream blunt rotation. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. Yes. 
Go ahead, Matt. Um, where can people find you? Um, and yeah, just shout out any projects you're working on, anything going on in your life. Um, so on all platforms, it's the same uh, apps. It's Unionize, Amazon, KY. Um, and my biggest projects at the moment is just still being involved in organizing. Um, I do this in a couple of ways right now because one way just like kind of got shut off. There was a nonprofit we were working with and then they just like fired all their Amazon organizers. Um, screw them. United for respect. United for respect. Fuck them. Um, Sounds like a liberal ass name. Uh, but they were doing good activism. Really? Like sincerely. Yeah. They, they started as a campaign called our Walmart uh, back in the two thousands. They, they were a joint venture with the UFCW. The purpose of the nonprofit was to bypass a lot of the union bureaucracy that goes on because you can't, you can't file unfair labor practices against a nonprofit. Um, so, so they were able to skirt this without having any labor law, um, labor law um, um, liability themselves so these workers could do whatever the heck they wanted and then they eventually grew to be an organization that was supporting pet smart workers organizing um, supporting uh, workers at target um, workers they still stayed involved in walmart even though the campaign failed walmart doesn't have butchers now because of they're anti-union. Wait, so what uh, changed? What what changed about United for Respect? Yeah. Well, they they sort of lost their focus and lost a lot of their bonds that they had with unions. Mm -hmm. um, so they started becoming ever more into lobbying and into other types of activism. So when I was working with them, not as a staffer, but just as one of their points of reference to have an Amazon employee going out with them. Um, they were doing Amazon uh, disability justice activism for Amazon workers who are struggling to get accommodations in the workplace. Uh, so we actually went out to DC and uh, we did lobbying out there. So we got disabled Amazon employees in front of Congress people and regulators to tell them what the hell this company is doing and how they're struggling, right? Um, it is a one-of-its-kind campaign because nobody has done this yet. But they also were supporting uh, union organizers across this country, especially in Atlanta, where there's a lot of Amazon union activity. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they were still supporting that, but a couple of directors a couple of directors got to the top of the food chain of that nonprofit, um and they started making a lot of changes um and because the staff were unionized so so the actual staffers for the union who organize all the employees of these different workplaces they um since they were unionized the company had every incentive to try and screw them over. They kept violating the contract over and over again. And then so they just fired them all a few weeks ago. Left every campaign in the void. All of these workers 
went from being pretty organized to, to, to just having to find something else, find some kind of other medium to do that. Um, so the, the work I continue to do now is with the DSA Labor Commission and with Emergency Workplace Organizing Committee. Okay. With as a as an organizer with Ewok, I I take on different campaigns. I get to choose which campaign um, I want to work with, and then you know the organization gets me in contact with those workers, um, and I mentor them for their campaign. And then for DSA Labor Commission, we're still helping Starbucks Workers United. We have Red Cup Rebellion coming up soon. That's on November 14th. It's another, it's another customer solidarity action where um, you anybody who doesn't work at Starbucks essentially can choose a location that is not unionized. You go on the Starbucks Workers United website and you just plot that point on a map and you um, set up an event there where you're going to be outside with your picket signs and um, advocating to the customers that what Starbucks is doing with their union busting is wrong and that you need to support them and boycott them and all this good stuff. So like the last action, we got like a fuckload of petitions signed, thousands of petitions signed, and there were 451 non-unionized Starbucks shops that were being organized that day across all 50 states. Wow. Cause it, it's, it's a, it's a really unique strategy because it's getting the customers involved and it's getting all of these different organizations involved. Like that's one reason I'm a part of DSA, even as somebody like I consider myself not a democratic socialist. Um, it's because they're doing the work. Yeah, in my in my experience with DSA, it really just varies on the chapter, because yeah, um, I've been introduced to some DSA chapters that are like unbelievably liberal, and then I've been hmm. introduced to other ones that have like a wide diversity of ideologies, and you have like some legitimate comrades in there. So yeah, it it, it sounds like you got something good going on over there. Thank you, thank you again for the awesome work that you're doing. Uh, Carla, yeah. if you want to shout out your social media or any projects that you're doing for mutual aid, etc. Okay, so if folks are interested in following um, some kind of takes on, especially locally, Oxnard, um, city council, especially, I love to talk shit about city council <laughs> and city council. Um, if you're looking for like perspectives on just anything from like an anarcha feminist, um, just hater ass, angry brown girl type shit, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, morena805 underscore. Um, coming up, I think next Sunday, I believe, I'm going to be doing or like hosting, I think maybe with Community Roots uh, Garden in Oxnard, uh, hosting like a Libros Libres. So kind of like a book swap, come hang out, chill, meet other people, um, you know, bring a book, take a book, um, political literature, any type of shit. Uh, and I'm looking to do more of that type of shit around here in Oxnard again.
Fuck yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, DM me and we'll we'll collab on some projects. Corlatis, um, where can people find you on social media? What are some projects that you have going on? Um, I mean, that's my that's my Instagram name. Okay. I mean, Do you have any other like uh, content that you create? I mean, I originally started it to put pictures I took at shows on, but then it became pretty political. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't, know, um, I don't really, cre I'm not like really an online content creator. I'm just like active in my union and in the communist party. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about but, that. Like, um, yeah. So I'm basically involved with my union shit. I am in a education union, um, not teachers union, a support staff union. Um, so a lot of times it's like just the school district trying to fuck us over about shit. And I was trying to not be fucked over by, by our employer, uh, as is the nature of, uh, labor in the, uh, capitalist system. Um, it's a adversarial relationship and uh with the communist party i just do that um go out to protests try to work with other local organizations on shit um but yeah i'm not i'm not really that uh i am very online but i'm not most of my projects are not online. <laughs> gotcha. You know, I, I I have a band, but that's... <laughs> like Is that's, it punk? No, it's doom metal. Okay, that's cool too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, some of some of the lyrics are kind of kind of left wing, but yeah, it's, it's, but yeah. Most of my most most of what I do is like not. Not very exciting and not uh, very not very online. It's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of as 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 Matt knows. There's a lot of shit with uh, organizing, and that's not that's necessary, but not not it would make good TV. <laughs> it's monotonous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> it's. It's 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 mostly it's, it's it's people going to meetings and being like, okay, which of us is going to do this thing that needs to happen for the, you know, you know how it, how it is, um, so. yeah. One more thing I'd like to say: anybody who's listening, if you want to organize your workplace, um, reach out, fill out the contact form for emergency workplace organizing com committee, and you and I might get a chance to work together on a campaign. Um, and you really, you really should want to organize. This is my first unionized job. Mm -hmm. Never fucking going back. <laughs> Here in Ventura County, people here in Ventura County people can go to Central Labor Council. Their website, if you Google it, Central Labor Council, and right there on their homepage, they have a button you can click on. 
I want to form a union and they will get in contact with you. The executive director, Jeremy Goldberg, will personally get in contact with you. They represent the tri-county. So all of the 805, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, Ventura County, they cover all of it. And they will connect you with the appropriate union. Union is very, very strong in Ventura County. There's a union for a number of different organizations and he will connect you and help you organize, which is, is a really, really great resource that we have here to the Tri-Counties that a lot of like communities don't, don't have that like central labor organization. That's a, it's actually a 501c3. And so they're able to do a lot more um, just because of their tax status and the, the funding that they have, they oversee a lot of union activities. So Central Labor Council for anyone in the 805. Thanks for sharing that, Heather. Yeah. Tony, where can people find you online? Um, what are some projects that you have going on, uh, if any? I don't got any projects going on free from the content mill. I mean, I, I work with my union in real life, but that's, you know, that's not sexy enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so beyond that like i said my my hobby is now i'm just trying to become a professional podcast or just professional talk show guest so if you even want to put me on anything just let me know i'm at at abh brant b-r-a-n-f on instagram and the abh.bsky.social on the blue sky app i got an x but <laughs> Uh, I'm not on that fucking thing. Every time you go on it now, it just it's a fucking cesspool. So just get me on if you want yeah, hit me Twitter, up on Blue Twitter Sky now. I just go yeah. on there just Don't to dead name out my own shit and repost it. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, it's like it's it's turned into like where where like Facebook was. Where like you know like the last couple times on Facebook and just be like, okay, how long can I look at this before I get pissed? And then it was like 15 seconds. You know what? I don't need to see this shit anymore. So I, you know got rid of it and same with so yeah just those two and even then it's kind of uh for now because i think social media is a dead fucking i hope so colonialism of but, the yeah, mind if you're on your show hit me up yeah hit me up somehow i'll show up in your show i'll say I'm stupid well i appreciate <laughs> you being here you're always welcome yeah. um Thank you. as always Thank you. As always, the 805 Uncensored is on all the major uh, podcasting platforms. Um, we're also on pretty much every major social media site, Instagram, TikTok, etc. I uh, really just appreciate you all being here for this discussion. I know this is a really just bleak time. Uh, so I just really, my hat's off to, is all, to, my hat's off to all of you uh, just for being here for so many hours tonight and having this conversation. Thank you so much, like from the bottom of my heart. Um, Thank you. Yeah, as always, um, appreciate it. Hope everyone has a good night, morning, evening, wherever you're listening in the world out there, and stay safe, everyone. Keep spreading awareness. Keep fighting for a better world. Keep listening to anti-capitalist content. Bye. Oh, yeah. Free Palestine. Later. Free Palestine. Palestine.